0: From the authors of Author Masterminds, this is Mysterious. Mystery surrounds us every day. Join us and listen to true stories of mystery, from human behavior to nature, and the physical environment to paranormal experiences. The stories are true, even if we can't explain them. Hello, I'm Victoria Hardesty, author of Action and Adventure with Arabian Horses. I will be your host today on the Mysterious Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the Author Masterminds and Readers and Writers Book Club. Welcome aboard. I have several mysteries to share with you today. Who abducted Amber Hagerman? Have you ever wondered where the Amber Alert came from? It started with the abduction of a real little girl and the nightmare it created for her family in Arlington, Texas. On Saturday afternoon, January 13, 1996, Amber Hagerman, age nine, and her brother Ricky, age five, hopped on their bikes to ride through their neighborhood. Amber rode the pink bike. Less than 10 minutes later, after Ricky turned around to go back home, Amber was abducted. Searchers found her body four days later in a nearby creek. A man living across the street from the parking lot where Amber rode her bike saw the abduction. He saw a man grab Amber and throw her into his black truck, kicking and screaming, leaving her pink bicycle in the parking lot. Police believe there may have been additional witnesses to that scene based on the time of day and the location but nobody else has come forward with more information. With the creation of the Amber Alert, Amber's case gained the media attention, but no suspects have been named yet. Arlington police are still hopeful someone will speak up. They hope they can identify Amber's killer with DNA technology and a few more bits of information about the attack. Their goal is to bring Amber's killer to justice someday. Who did the Las Cruces Bowling Alley Massacre? On February 10, 1990, workers at the Las Cruces Bowl in Las Cruces, New Mexico, were getting ready for the Saturday crowd when two armed men stepped through the unlocked door. Steve Terran, the bowling alley mechanic, and his two daughters, Paula and Valerie, walked in at the wrong time. The men cleaned out cash from the safe. And told all seven people in the bowling alley to get down on the ground others in the alley were the manager stephanie senek her daughter melissa melissa's friend amy and the cook ida holguin the robbers shot all of the victims multiple times in the head at close range before setting fire to the bowling alley and escaping with the loot unbelievably ida stephanie and melissa survived Melissa was able to call 911, despite being shot five times. The fire and efforts to put it out destroyed much of the evidence. Besides that, in the early 1990s, police focused primarily on fingerprints, not DNA. The bowling alley had hundreds of people in it every week, making it difficult to determine which fingerprints held any meaning for the investigation. Ida, Stephanie, and Melissa described the suspects as two Hispanic men in their 30s or 40s. Local police set up roadblocks to screen people leaving town, but didn't find the suspects. A frequent stream of tips continues over the years. However, the police are no closer to identifying and arresting the suspects today than they were when this happened. Where did the Oakville Blobs come from? On August 7, 1994, people living in Oakville, Washington, began reporting small, gelatinous blobs seeming to rain down from the sky and cover the ground. These blobs were smaller than a grain of rice. Several of the reporting residents said they got sick after coming in contact with them. Speculation about what the blobs were went wild in town. Some people thought the blobs had to come from nearby classified military testing. Based on their appearance, some thought jellyfish were somehow sucked up, chopped up, and then dropped on town by an aircraft of some kind. Other folks thought the blobs were the star jelly mentioned in history, and others suggested they came from amphibians, agriculture, or crystals comprising sodium polyacrylate or algae. Everyone had an opinion, but nobody ever identified these blobs. Today, nobody knows what the Oakville blobs were or where they came from. The residents of Oakville, Washington hope they never come back. Who killed Yale senior Susanna Joven? On December 4, 1998, Susanna Joven hosted a pizza party after dropping off the draft of her senior paper. Her friends last saw her at Yale's Phelps Gate entrance around 9.25 p.m. At 9.58 p.m., police got a call about a woman bleeding in the street approximately two miles away from Phelps Gate. Someone brutally stabbed 21-year-old Susanna 17 times around her face and neck and slit her throat. The tip of the knife used to murder her was found in her skull during the autopsy. She died at the hospital before the police could question her. Many suspect someone drove her to that spot and assaulted her there. Suspicion turned to her senior advisor, James Vandebeld. However, he was never charged with the crime, and investigators later thought too much time was wasted looking at the wrong man. Investigators reactivated the case in 2018, hoping a fresh look by new investigators would solve it. Still to this day, no suspect or motive has been identified in the brutal murder of Susanna Jovan. Hi! I thought I'd take a short break and introduce you to one of my books, Desperado, Wonder Horse Book 3. Desperado was something of a wild child. He explored the territory around his birthplace because there was no lock he couldn't pick. That early exploration would later save lives. Desperado had two loves in his life. One was his 80-year-old owner, Hilda. The other was his 14-year-old rider Todd. His biggest fear was Hilda's children would sell him to a man he despised after her death. Unfortunately, an incident occurred that let Desperado prove beyond doubt what he felt in his heart. He ran into danger when all other creatures ran the other way. He ran through fire to protect the ones he loved. He hoped it would be enough to ensure his future with Todd on the land he called home. Who sabotaged and Sunset Limited in 1995? After train tracks are sabotaged under cover of darkness, a train derails killing one man and injuring 78 others. About 70 miles west of Phoenix, Arizona, in a barren patch of desert, one of Amtrak's Sunset Limited trains rushed toward California in the early morning hours of October 9, 1995. Suddenly, the train lurched and shook violently, and eight passenger cars derailed, four falling off a bridge into a dry riverbed below. One Amtrak employee died, and 78 passengers and crew members were injured. As people who were not injured did their best to look after injured ones before emergency personnel arrived at the scene, Neil Halford, a passenger, stepped outside to get some fresh air. He spotted a piece of paper under a rock and picked it up. After reading the note, Neil knew it was left by whoever tried to derail the train. He then found another note investigators found two additional notes stuck under rocks in the derailment area. The notes came from a group called Sons of Gestapo. All four notes complained about the government's action at Ribby Ridge, Idaho, and Waco, Texas. During the derailment investigation, they found almost 30 spikes removed from the track and rails were forced open. Someone also hacked into the computer system which would have warned the engineers about issues with the track ahead of them. Despite the notes, investigators have never been able to tie the incident to an actual group of people. Even after thoroughly scouring the crime scene, no clues were ever found in the desert that pointed out to who was out in that remote area of the desert in the middle of the night or why they targeted that train. The FBI offered a $310,000 reward for tips leading to an arrest. But as of today, no suspects have been identified in the mysterious sabotage attack. What was the Cosford incident? This took place over the United Kingdom in March 1993. It became known as the Cosford Incident when it hit the newspapers. UFO enthusiasts consider it one of the most obvious examples of alien contact. Authorities tried to brush it off with various explanations. People all over the United Kingdom reported seeing a triangular-shaped aircraft with white lights in the sky over the final few days of the month. Some eyewitnesses said it hovered as low as two to 400 feet from the ground. Eyewitnesses also agreed the craft set off a humming sound they could feel. Police reports said the craft fired a light beam and then took off. The radar never detected an unidentified flying object. While many people, even police and government officials, pointed to alien activity, other theories exist. Some people claim it might have been debris from a Russian satellite that launched the day before. Others pointed to a vague, exotic, atmospheric phenomena. However, the people who saw the flying object over those two nights are not convinced that more than one explanation exists for what they saw, and that explanation doesn't live on this planet. If it wasn't O.J. Simpson, who was it? The brutal murder of 35-year-old Nicole Brown Simpson and her 25-year-old friend Ron Goldman caught the attention of the American public in 1994. Ron Goldman was a waiter in a restaurant Nicole often visited with her friends. She had lunch with her girlfriends and left her sunglasses on the table. Goldman offered to return them to her after work. In the early morning hours of June 13th, their bodies were discovered outside Nicole's home. Both were stabbed to death, leaving a bloody scene for police to find and process. Nicole's ex-husband, former football player O.J. Simpson, aged 49 at the time, was the first suspect. His previous jealousy and enraged rants about his ex-wife fed the fire of suspicion. The saddest thing was their two young children were in their beds sleeping on the second floor of Nicole's home when this occurred. I remember sitting on my couch watching the TV as police chased O.J. Simpson and the white Bronco slow speed down the freeway, threatening to shoot himself. I also remember watching during the trial as O.J. attempted to pull on the bloody gloves found on his property and the chants from his defense lawyers If it don't fit, you must acquit during the trial. Despite his blood and DNA found at the scene of the crime and Nicole's blood found in his fingerprint on his white bronco at his home, O.G. Simpson was acquitted of the double homicide. Other suspects did come up up in the homicide investigation. Convicted serial killer Glenn Rogers admitted to killing the two. He was serving a six-week jail sentence at the time of the crime, so he was not a real suspect. Police also looked at Jason Simpson, OJ's son. He had a confirmed history of violent behavior, even once attacking a boss with a pocket knife. The younger Simpson seemed like a potential suspect. He even owned the same hat as the one found at the crime scene. If Jason were guilty, it would explain some of OJ's odd behavior but he, too, was dismissed as a legitimate suspect. With no further suspects identified or suggested, the murderer of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman has yet to pay for their atrocious murder. The parents of Ron Goldman and Nicole Brown Simpson joined forces in civil court and eventually won their case against O.J. Simpson. They were awarded monetary damages for the loss of their children. What O.J. didn't pay by time spent in jail, he would pay in cash to the parents of the two people he killed in a jealous rage that early June morning. Hi, Victoria again. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Mysterious and plan to join us again for the next one. There'll be more information about me in the program notes. My books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and everywhere good books are sold. Ciao! Until next time.